Today's gospel is one we could do without. If any man would come after me, Jesus says to his disciples, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. It would have been much more preferable today to read Matthew eleven twenty eight, for instance. Come to me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Or what about one of our favorite passages, John three sixteen? God loves us, and we believe in him, and we should not perish but have eternal life. Don't we need to hear some comforting passages in this torn and frightening world? Do we really have to have this conversation about taking up your cross? Who needs such talk when life is a struggle to pay bills, take care of family that are sick, just get up in the morning and face the daily struggles? Well, after all, wasn't Jesus just talking to his chosen 12 disciples? This doesn't really apply to me, does it? Jesus was the one called to die on the cross, and now we don't have to do that. That's what I thought. What about the people who didn't think that way? Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Nelson Mandela, or the everyday person who seems to have made this motto their life's mission. They deny themselves pleasure. They shun comfort. They put themselves in harm's way. Is this what Jesus meant? Surely Jesus doesn't want me to literally deprive myself to the point that my life will be cut short for lack of attention to it. So what does he mean? Do I really have to die to show my love for him? Isn't there another way? Well, our friend Peter is here again in this gospel. Peter got the title right in our previous lessons. You are the Messiah. Now he gets the job wrong. His anticipation of Messiah is not what Jesus has in mind. Remember, Peter, again speaking for the others, had just told Jesus that as far as they are concerned, he is not just a prophet, he's God's anointed king, the Messiah. So, naturally, their next move would be to sit down and plan their strategy. They must figure out how to get rid of the present kings and priests who rule Israel. One obvious solution would be to march on Jerusalem, pick up supporters on the way, choose their moment, say their prayers, fight a surprise battle, take over the temple, and install Jesus as king. That's how God's kingdom will come. Jesus' proposal is not quite the same. Yes, we'll be going to Jerusalem. Yes, the kingdom of God is coming, and coming soon. Yes, the Son of Man will be exalted as king, granting justice to the world. But the way to this kingdom is by the exact opposite road as the one the disciples, and especially Peter, have in mind. It will involve suffering and death. Jesus will confront rulers and authorities, the chief priests and legal experts in Jerusalem. 
but they, not he, will appear to win the battle. He will then be raised from the dead, Jesus says. But all of this seems to escape Peter and the others. All they know is that he is talking nonsense, dangerous nonsense. So Peter blunders in with both feet. The rock on which Jesus said he would build his church turns out, for the moment, to be shifting sand. Peter explodes. God forbid, Lord, this will never happen to you. It's just too much for Peter. He loves Jesus so much. This young teacher that he has given his all to and believes is the true Messiah. Isn't there another way, Lord? Why walk into this trap? Why take a risk you don't have to take? God forbid that you be killed. Right or wrong, Peter is saying what the rest of us are thinking. He asks the questions that the others are afraid to ask. But then what happens? Jesus explodes. Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not on the side of God, but of men. Can't you imagine the shock? The dead silence after such an outburst? What in the world did Peter do wrong? As far as Jesus was concerned, it was Satan talking, trying to get him to be safe. Take an opposite path than the one God has planned for you. Satan, the tempter, is always there to alter the plans of what God has called you and me to do and be. Nelson Mandela summed it well. He said, good and evil are always at war. Good men must always choose. So what is the secret behind these hard words of Jesus to Peter? Is it that our fear of suffering and dying will rob us of life? Peter just wanted his beloved teacher's life to be saved, not wasted. What he forgot was that Jesus' life was never ending. Peter seemed to miss that part. Listen again to Matthew's Gospel. Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. It's easy to miss. We get hung up on suffering and being killed. What else was Jesus doing in this passage? It's the first time in Matthew that he starts to explain what will happen to him literally happened to him. But he is still also teaching them discipleship. Oh, by the way, if you want to follow me, this is what you do. It's not just a passage about what is to happen, but about living a life following Jesus, what that will look like. Deny yourself and follow me. Now we are getting the picture of what it means to follow Jesus. Can't you just see James and Andrew looking at each other and saying, Did you hear anything about taking up a cross when he called us from fishing? No, I missed that part. In verse 25, Jesus says, For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. 
It takes us back to the Sermon on the Mount. Those who are persecuted are blessed. Be glad when others abuse you for Jesus' sake. When life brings its sufferings, there are certain behaviors that my disciples are going to exhibit. We will bear one another's burdens. You don't have to go looking for crosses to bear. You don't have to. There are plenty in your life. Following Jesus will cost everything and give everything. There are no half measures on this journey. So without a doubt, my work is cut out for me. Because you see, I cannot pretend anymore that taking up my cross is only something I am to embrace with my mind. Or even just only in the relatively safe borders of our church family, but with my very living and dying. The cross is not only a symbol of suffering and death, but a symbol of power and what power can do that works against a different kind of kingdom here on earth. Self-giving love is the way of the cross. I can take a different path. I can work for the good of others. I don't have to work for just my tribe, my clan, my race, or my economic class. I can look outside the boundaries. I can do this because of Jesus. You and I are transformed at this Eucharist table to take up our cross and follow his example of self-giving love. I want to share with you some words from Dr. Martin Luther King's last sermon. He delivered it on the eve of his assassination, April 3, 1968. Dr. King said, Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop and I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain and I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. What am I willing to do for another person? Where do I draw the line? What kingdom will I support? How far will I go? This is what Jesus is telling us.